um, the series we're going through on Sunday nights on developing biblical standards, right? And uh, I hope by now, when we think, uh, when we say the word uh, biblical standard, uh, I hope by now you've kind of caught on what this definition is of a biblical standard, right? So, so can somebody tell me what is, when we say we're talking about a biblical standard, what do we mean by that? What's kind of the definition we've been using of a biblical standard uh, these past couple weeks as we've been going through this, right? So let me tell you, what, is, what would we say is the kind of definition of a biblical standard? All right, I'm going to have to start all over again then, right? All right, we're going to go back two weeks, you, you know? There you go. That's right. Uh, that's why you got to sit on the front row. That's right. You, you, the front row gets it, right? It is a rule that I impose upon myself, right? It's a rule that I impose upon myself to help me to keep the, these biblical convictions that I've found in the Word of God, okay? Um, so again, this is, these are not standards that I impose on other people. In fact, as we've gone through this, I've, I've just the examples that I've given, I've said these are mine, right? These are my personal standards, okay? Um, And so uh, understanding that standards are, this is why we call them personal, right? Personal biblical standards, okay? Um, And and so understanding that, that these are personal biblical standards, these are rules that I impose upon myself to help me to keep the convictions that I believe I have gotten from the Word of God, okay? Okay. and so we, we looked at a few last week. I'm not going to go through those. But tonight, I want to bring a couple areas of caution. When we're thinking about um, developing biblical standards, there are some things that we need to be cautious about. Okay? Um, and so we're going to look at a couple of these uh, tonight. And one thing that we must be careful of is following a standard based upon a denomination or a religious organization that is taught as undisputedly true. Does that make sense? So we're, we're careful that we're not following a standard that a religion or a denomination or an organization is teaching, and they're just saying this is, this is absolutely, undeniably, emphatically true. Okay. Um, in 1 John, how many of you are in 1 John? I'm in Ephesians. I need to get to 1 John, right? It would help if I was there. In uh, 1 John, where is 1 John? There it is. Uh, In 1 John chapter 4, notice what John tells us in verse number 1. Beloved, right? Beloved. Who is he speaking to then? Believers. Believers, right? He's speaking to believers. Beloved. Beloved, right? Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Okay? Um, And so notice what John says. Look. It is important for you and I as Christians to try the spirits, right? We, we don't just believe something just because someone says it, right? We need to believe it because God says it, right? We believe it, be, and, and, and you've, you've heard me preach this many, many times. I don't want you to believe something because Pastor Andrew says it or First Baptist Church holds to it. No, no, no. I want you to believe it because you can find it in the Word of God, Amen. right? Because, look... Pastor Andrew may go away, right? Pastor Andrew might die, or God might leave Pastor Andrew somewhere else, or uh, eventually, you know, something's going to happen. So what are you going to do when Pastor Andrew's not around? What are you going to do if First Baptist Church is not around, or you're moved to another location, right? And that's why it's important that we have personal biblical 
convictions okay, uh, and standards. So he says, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Okay? Um, again, the, these are... Um, these if we wanted to say rules or standards that denominations or religions impose upon people, these are things that they, the denomination or the religious organization, authority, specifically impose on others, right? They're imposing them on others. And many times those who accept them never even know the scriptural principle. They don't understand the why behind what is being imposed upon them. They just simply do it because they are told to. Okay? Now, look, I understand when, when I was a child, and now that I have children, I understand that there are things that I tell my children to do that I was told to do simply because my parents said to do it. Right? You do it because I said so. Well, why? You don't have to know why. You just do it. Right? What are we teaching them? We're teaching them obedience. We're teaching them you're, you're to obey the authority. You're to obey God, and God's authority is the parents. Okay? Now, please understand, for, I would say for the most of us here tonight, we're not children. We're adults. right? We have teenagers. We have young people. We have adults in here. Okay? And so for adults, it is important for us and for teenagers and everyone. When we're talking about developing biblical standards, it is important that we know the why. Why am I doing this, right? I remember when I first went to college, and this was not a bad thing. I remember the, the president of our college, he said, look, some of you don't have any standards at all, right? Uh, some of you, maybe you just got saved or, you know, coming from a different background or something. You have no standards at all. And he said, so while you're here, adopt our standards until you get your own. And I understand what he's saying by that, right? I have no, no, no problem with what he's saying, but instead of maybe saying adopt our standards until you get your own, maybe what, what should be said is let us help you know why you need to develop biblical standards. Let us help you develop some of your own and you decide what you think is right. And again, I understand what he's saying because there are some people coming into college, they have no idea what they believe, right? Um, and so it is wise if you say, hey, I'm not really sure what I believe, then hey, find somebody that you believe is godly and biblical and uh, maybe adopt some of those, but make sure that you develop your own. Don't just entrust it to them, right? Don't entrust it to a denomination or religion or a church. Just to say, well, the church is going to tell me what I need to believe and what I need to do, uh, and so I'll just follow them, okay? Um, can I tell you, that's, that's cultish. That, that's cultish. When all, all you, you just follow the rules, you're not allowed to ask why, you, you don't do anything like that. Um, and so we, the, we have to be very cautious about this, right? Um, if we aren't careful, we simply look for people to tell us what to do without any scriptural basis, or we choose to abandon all standards and simply live for self, right? Um, can I say I'm afraid this is what's happening with a lot of our young people? In church, we're telling them live by certain standards, right? But we're not teaching them the why. We're not teaching them why they need to develop biblical standards for themselves. And so what happens when they get out of the home, and I'm even talking about the home as well, not just the church, but when they get out of the home, what do they do? They just go off by themselves. Why? They weren't taught to have personal biblical standards. And so then... We lose them, right? 
because no one ever took the time to actually teach them why we should have personal standards and what some of these personal standards ought to be. And so when they get out, they're just gone, friend. Um, And that's why it's so important for parents, right? Parents, you ought to uh, work together with your children. Hey, if there are some rules in your home, you ought to sit down and explain why do we have these rules, right? These are the rules that we follow in our home. Why? Again, I understand there can be sometimes you say, get in the car. Why? You don't care. I don't care. Don't ask me why. Just get in the car, right? Um, but when we're talking, when, they, when they're starting to understand and they're starting to develop and, and understand some things, it is so vital that we teach them the why behind what we believe and behind why we do what we do. Because if we don't teach them the why behind it, then when they get old enough and get out on their own, they have no personal standards and they just go to the world, right? Um, and so it's, it's very important that we do this, right? Um, again, um, just looking for other people to tell us what to do without scriptural basis or just abandoning all standards and living for self, neither one of those are very good, right? And so again, we have to be careful that we, we explain the why behind it. I, I found this amusing story um, of, a, of a husband as he was watching his wife in the kitchen and she was preparing a, uh, a, a roast to put in the, the crock pot. And uh, as she was preparing the roast, he watched her cut the ends off of the, off of the roast. And then she put the seasoning on it and all this kind of stuff. And then she put the roast in the crock pot. Um, and then she wrapped up the ends she had cut off and put them back into the fridge. And so the husband was very puzzled by this. And, and he thought, you know, hey, maybe this makes it season better or it cooks better or something. And so he asked her, babe, why, why do you cut the ends off of the, the roast before you put it in the crock pot? And she said, you know what? I don't really know why I do that. I saw mom do that all the time. And so that's just what I do. And so it began to puzzle her. Why did mom do this? And so she called up her mom and said, Mom, why did you cut the ends off of the pot roast before you put it in the crock pot? Again, thinking somehow this had to do with seasoning or maybe it cooked better or something like this. And her mom said, oh, no, it has nothing to do with that. Well, the daughter said, well, then why? Well, she said, our crock pot was too small to fit the roast. And so I had to cut the ends off to make it fit. Now, the daughter's crock pot was plenty big. She could have put the whole roast in there, right? But she had just seen her mother do something so much, so much that she began to, and nobody even knew why, except for the one who originally started it, right? The whole reason behind it had nothing to do with seasoning or flavor or anything. It was just because her crock pot was small. And if we're not careful, that's what we end up doing. We don't know the why behind it. And then what happens, right? What happens when somebody says, well, why do you do this? Why do you believe this? Well, I, I don't know. Well, it's just what I've always heard my church say. It's what I've heard my pastor say. It's what I've heard my parents say. Well, why? Well, I, I, I don't know. And what happens, Right. We, we, we don't have an answer to give for why we believe certain things, why we do certain things. And then we're like, 
I don't know why, so let me just let me just abandon it, right? And that's again, that's not a good thing either, just to completely abandon it, because again, some things aren't necessarily wrong. We just need to find out the why behind it. Okay? And that's why it's so important that when we're developing biblical standards, we're not just following somebody's rules, regulations, whatever it might be, without really understanding the why behind it. Okay? May I say secondly, another thing we have to be careful of is embracing a belief simply because it is, it is an old belief. Just because it's old doesn't mean that it's always right. Okay? We shouldn't sing hymns just because they're old. Because I can take you to some hymns that are in our songbook that are old that I believe are doctrinally wrong. But it's old, so we should sing it. No, we don't sing it just because it's old. We make sure that it's doctrinally sound before we sing it, right? Again, you know there are certain songs. I just I don't like our church to sing them. I'm not saying the song is bad. I'm not saying the, the author was, was a bad person. It's just I don't like the doctrine that it teaches. So we're not going to sing it. But it's an old hymn. I don't care. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's good, right? And just because it's new doesn't mean it's bad. Do you understand that Amazing Grace was new at one point? What? Amazing Grace was new? Uh, Yeah. You know, before John Newton wrote Amazing Grace, there was no song Amazing Grace. In fact, if you go back, you'll find that Many times of what, what people say, well, we just can't sing the new songs. We don't, we're not going to sing the new songs. Look, look, I, this is up for a whole nother, whole nother series here. There's a lot of new songs we would never sing because they're just junk. It doesn't matter if you call them Christian or not. They're just junk, right? But just because something is new doesn't mean it's wrong, doesn't mean it's bad, Okay. And again, we have to be careful that even with even songs, that we don't equate songs with the Word of God. Sometimes we have, we think, well, you know, the, the old hymns, they're the ones, you know, and, and, uh, and so any new song, we can't do that. It's almost like we're saying that the, the hymn writers that wrote these songs were as inspired as the ones who wrote the Word of God. Wait a minute, they were not inspired. Great song, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, right? I love the song. It's a great song. But John Newton wasn't inspired when he wrote it. This is the inspired word of God, okay? And again, I'm not saying that every old song is bad. There's a lot of great old songs, right? We sing a lot of great old songs at this church. But just because something is new doesn't mean it's bad either, right? Just because there's a new song out there, and if it's doctrinally sound, doesn't mean we shouldn't sing it just because it's new, okay? We've got to be careful about that, right? Just because it's old doesn't mean it's always right, okay? Um, By the way, we don't use the King James just because it's old. We don't use the King James just because it's it's an old book, right? Um, No, we use it because of the doctrine, okay? Uh, Again, that's, that's another whole thing there, right? I like what one guy said, scriptural paths are old, but not 
all old paths are scriptural. Scriptural paths are old. You're going you're to find it in the Word of God. But not all old paths are scriptural. Okay? Um, uh, I just got to gotta keep moving because I don't want to keep you here until 7.30 again tonight, right? Um, so that's number two, right? Number one, be careful about just following rules or dogma or whatever you want to call it uh, without really knowing the why behind it. Number two, uh, be careful about just believing something just simply because it is old, right? Number three, we want to be gracious and kind toward those who do not choose to believe or live as I do. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 14. Because here's where I believe we get into a lot of, uh, a lot of problems. Again, what is a standard? What is a biblical standard? Personal biblical standard? What is, what are, what is the definition of it? It is a rule that I impose upon myself, right? Say that with me. A rule that I impose upon myself. Come on, say it with me. A rule that I impose upon myself, okay? So if it is a rule that I'm imposing upon myself, then if somebody else doesn't have the same rule, are they less spiritual than I am? Are they less important than I am? And see, here's where the problem comes. Many times we develop biblical standards for our personal life, and then when others do not develop those exact same standards that we have, well, they must not be godly. Because after all, we are the epitome of godliness. Whoa, wait a second. Hold on. These biblical standards are rules that I impose upon myself, right? And so I have to be careful that when others do not have these same biblical standards, that we don't start looking down at them and thinking somehow they're less spiritual or less important, okay? So think about this. In Romans chapter 14, notice in verse number 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? And again, you know, I know people like, judge not lest ye be judged, right? Well, one, that's in a totally different context of Scripture, that Jesus is speaking of, this is speaking of this idea of standards, right? And what does he say? Why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Now notice, how many times, what does Jesus say here, right? God says here, every tongue, or in, um, Back in verse number 10, he says, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, right? So we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, no doubt. But how do we stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Do we stand before the judgment seat of Christ as a church? How do we stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Individually. Individually. So you're not standing at the judgment seat of Christ on behalf of anybody else except for yourself. Individually, personally, right? Again, watch what he says again in verse number 12. So then every one of us shall give account of, what's that next word? Himself to God or herself, right? Individually. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather. And here's what he's saying, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. 
Now, again, if we remember the context here, we looked a little bit about this last week. At the beginning, he says in verse number three, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. So he's using this example of someone who says, I'm not going to eat meat, and somebody says, I love meat, right? So he's giving this, this example here, right? Which one is wrong? None. Neither one is wrong, right? One person can have a personal standard that says, I'm not going to eat meat. Cool. Another person can have a personal standard that says, hey, sign me up for the buffet, man. You know, I'm going to chicken and uh, pork and ribs and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's where I'm going. Cool. Neither one are wrong. They're both right. Why? Because it is a personal standard that they have set for themselves okay and this is what he's saying here right um when we go down here let no man uh, in verse 13 let us not therefore judge one another anymore but judge this that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way so he says look neither one is wrong what we need to judge is not whether they have the same standards that i have no no no. that's not what we're judging what we need to judge is am i putting a stumbling block before them is what I'm doing causing them to stumble? Well, what does he mean by that? Well, he goes on. I know and I'm persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. Paul says, I know there's nothing unclean. But did every Jew see it the same way that Paul did? No. Not every Jewish Christian saw it the same way Paul did. There were some Jewish Christians that chose not to eat things that they had been taught were unclean, right? Again, that's what we just read that back earlier. There are going to be those that don't eat meat, those that only eat vegetables, those that will eat the meat that the law provides, and so we don't eat pork, we don't eat certain things like that. Who's wrong? Neither one. Neither one is wrong, right? Man, I like these guys on the front row. They are are answering, they are listening, right? Um, Yeah, I'm telling you, I, I... I told, the, uh, I told a joke to a couple of them earlier. We need some, uh, this, well, never mind. I can't do that. I just, I, I, not enough time. If you want to know the joke, go see uh, Jonathan and Brenton over there. They'll, they'll tell you the joke, right? Um, after the service, not right now. Don't turn around and ask him, Brother Jeff. You know, I see you turn around. What's that joke? No, not right now. No, just um, so he goes on, right? But if thy b- brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So he says, look, if you know that you've, there's a brother over here that says, hey, I don't have a problem eating meat, I don't have a problem eating pork, uh, ribs, you know, all that kind of stuff, but I know that there's a brother over here, right? Um, Caden, come here. Caden, you really wanted me to call on you, didn't you? He was like, I want to go. No, your name is not Caden. All right, so here, here's Caden, right? And Caden says, I don't eat meat. He is, he is just one of these guys that just said, hey, I just, I, you know, again, there, I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody else eating meat, right? But my personal conviction is I'm not going to eat meat, right? Okay, this is Caden, right? <laughs> so he says, I'm not going to eat meat. Well, I say, you know, hey, I don't think there's anything wrong with eating meat, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and eat meat, Right? Caden, I'm going to have you over for lunch, man. Come over. We're going to come, up, um, come over for lunch. 
Come over for lunch. Man, I have been working on the grill all day, man. I have been smoking these ribs. And, man, I've been, man, these steaks. we got some sirloin. And, uh, I mean, we've got, uh, we've got roast and all this kind of stuff. Man, we are going to eat good tonight. Now, what does that tell him? I know he doesn't eat meat. And I've invited him over, and I have all this meat to eat. What does that tell him? I care nothing about him. All I care about is myself and my liberty. Remember what, remember what Paul said in Galatians? Brethren, use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another, right? How can I be serving love to Caden if I know that he doesn't eat meat, but then I invite him over and all I have is meat to eat? What am I trying? What am I causing? What am I doing? I'm putting a stumbling block in his way. I am causing him to stumble. Now, same thing. Caden, you're over there. Don't eat meat. You're going to have me over for lunch. Invite me over. All right. <laughs> Let's have some lunch, man. What do, what do we got here? Salad. Salad. <laughs> Now, is there anything wrong with that? No. But what if I start saying, Caden, where, where's the chicken, man? Where, where's, I mean, I, I, you invited me over for lunch. You know what I like. I didn't serve you what you didn't like. So why aren't you serving me what I like? Where, where's the chicken? Where, where's the pot roast? Where's the, who's wrong? I am. Because again, I'm taking what I say is my personal preference and or my convictions and my standards and i'm trying to force them on him whether i invite him to my house or he invites me to his house i'm trying to say i'm better than you grow up man i mean just why don't you just get spiritual dude i mean eat some meat man now wait a minute if he is set a personal standard for himself that he's not going to do it and I try to force mine on him I am the one who is wrong I am using my liberty to cause a brother to stumble we understand what I'm saying here right this is what he's saying thank you Caden eat some meat man (laughs) he says but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat now walkest thou not charitably. He says, you're not walking in love. If you're, if you're causing a stumbling block to be put in front of your brother, you're the one that's causing the problems. It's not his problem. You're the one that has a problem because you're saying, I've set this standard for myself, so therefore everybody should have this standard. Wait a minute. What are we going back to now? Remember our chart? What's on this side? Legalism. I'm going back to legalism. Now, if everybody doesn't do it my way, they're wrong. No. Just because somebody doesn't do it your way doesn't mean that it's wrong, right? Um, again, we want, to, we want to, just as we saw in the, fir- the, the first point, we want to make sure that we compare things with the Word of God, okay? And if a brother comes to a conclusion and says, hey, I just don't think it's, I, I don't think for me personally, look, if you want to eat meat, I don't have a problem with that. But me personally, I, I don't, I'm not going to eat meat for myself. Now, if he's not trying to force his standard on me, 
and I'm not trying to force my standard on him, guess what? We're going to get along great. We're going to get along super. Because both of us understand the liberty we have in Christ. And that liberty can be different. It can lead us in different ways, right? And this is why he says in verse 16, let not then your good be evil spoken of. Paul says, hey, I don't think it's, I know I'm persuaded that that there's nothing unclean of itself. But then if I try to cause someone else to do it, my good is being evil spoken of. See what he's saying, right? Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Notice in verse number 23. Watch what Paul says to the church of Corinth. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, that thine own, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of? For that which I have given thanks. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Again, Paul's saying something very similar here, right? He's talking about this liberty we have in Christ. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Again, we don't have time to get into the whole depth of what was going on uh, in Corinth, but um, there would, in, in Corinth, it was a very idolatrous pr- place. And a lot of meat, when they would kill the, when they would kill the animals and things, they would, uh, you know, basically kind of offer it to their gods, right? It was kind of offered to their gods. They would want their gods to bless it and all this kind of stuff. And then they would sell it in the marketplace. Well, there were Christians that were coming around saying, well, because, you know, you don't know which meat has been blessed by gods, which meat hasn't been blessed, so you shouldn't buy any meat. Don't, don't get any of it. Paul's like, wait a minute, guys, come on. Think this through a little bit, right? And, and again, we're, we're going to look at another passage as well in just a second, but he says all things are lawful, right? Now, if I know, and again, if, if, you, look in the, if you look and see what he says over the next few chapters, um, Paul's like, look, you're not going to be able to find out where every piece of meat that you eat comes from, Right? I mean, how many of you go to uh, Walmart or Kroger and you buy some meat and you're like, uh, excuse me, I'd like to know where this meat came from. Uh, did this meat come from a butcher shop that believes in God or a butcher shop that does not believe in God? You say, Pastor, that's, that's kind of crazy. That's what Paul is saying here, right? There are some people who say, well, you don't know if it's coming from believers or non-believers in, in these shambles and in these places where they sell meat and things, so you shouldn't do it. He said, look, we, we know it comes from God. And the, these other gods, look over in, in chapter 8, I believe, or chapter, uh, where are we at? Yeah, chapter 8. Chapter 8. He says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we have all knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing. 
yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. He said, guys, what's the problem? We know these idols are false gods. They're false gods, right? They're, they're fake, okay? And what he says, for though there be that there are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, for to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge, for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worst. So he's saying there were some Christians that were saying, hey, because this meat has maybe been offered to idols, I'm just not going to eat any meat. Okay, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But don't, again, don't try to impose that on everybody else. Because there are, again, as Paul is saying, look, we know there's only one God. There's one God, one Lord. We, all these things are false. So whether somebody has offered it to an idol or not, doesn't bother me. You know why? I know who the true God is. And by buying it, I'm not worshiping that false God, okay? Now, you know, we don't, we don't have time to get into the whole thing, but he says, if you're actually, and now nah, we just don't have time to get into it. We're not, there's no way. Um, so again, what, what Paul is speaking about here, right, is making sure that we are gracious to those who do not develop the same standard that we have, okay? Um, and again, sometimes a Christian will set a standard for himself to protect him from a circumstance that would weaken him to a besetting sin or an area that he is weak in. Okay? Um, you can look at this passage. You can go back to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. In verse number 14, he says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. He says, look, there's going to be some that are going to have to set some standards, again, these rules that I impose upon myself to help me keep these convictions that I have from the Word of God. Okay? So there are going to be some Christians who will set a standard for themselves to protect them from a circumstance that would weaken them to a besetting sin. Okay? Um, we talked about this, the, the, I think it was a week or two ago, right? If somebody that had a problem with alcohol, right? Um, they say, hey, I'm not going to go into a restaurant that serves alcohol just because of, uh, I, I, I remember what I was like before and I don't want to give the devil any place to, to tempt me in that area, so I'm not going to go to that. Not a problem. No problem there. But then for that person to say, so I'm not going to go there, no Christian should ever go there. Well, hold on. What are we doing now, right? Again, these are standards, these are rules that I impose upon myself, okay? These are rules that I impose upon myself. And so um, you need to know your weaknesses, right? You ought to know where you're weak. And I think we all do. We may not want to admit it, but we all know where we're weak. The devil knows where we're weak because that's where he tempts us all the time, right? And so we need to know where we're weak and we need to set up standards to help you keep your convictions, okay? Sometimes that means even denying ourselves of non-sinful things that others may do because we want to please Christ in our life. But I'm not going to say because another person does it that they're sinful and that they're somehow less than I am. If I've imposed this rule upon myself, 
if someone else doesn't do it, right, I'm not going to condemn them if they don't have the same standards that I have. We're not setting standards for them, we're setting standards for ourselves, right? And again, much of life is about choosing who you want to please and who you want to look like, and that ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to please the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to look like Christ, right? We're made to please God, so even in the way we dress, we ought to want to please God. We don't want to just dress to fit into the world and things like this. Everything is about wanting to please God in our life, okay? Um, last week, I think I gave you the three requirements in setting up biblical standards. We ought to love Jesus enough to want to please him, right? Um, we ought to know the Bible well enough to know what pleases him, okay? And then have the, enough Christ-like care to make it real uh, every day. I mean, here's the thing, right? Standards have nothing to do with earning God's love or keeping our salvation. Look, our salvation is settled. It's settled. So the standards that we're doing are not trying to earn God's love or keep our salvation. They're simply rooted in biblical principles that we've seen throughout Scripture, and we've set these standards for ourselves because we want to please the Lord in how we live. Uh, we can't do anything to make God love us more or less, but I do want to please him in how I live my life. Again, I, I want to please him. It's not about pleasing everybody else. It's about pleasing the Lord, right? So applying biblical principles does take discernment. We have to be discerning in this, okay? Um, sometimes you'll find that a standard needs to be set uh, not by how it affects me, but how it affects others, how it affects somebody else. Again, I'm going to think about them. I'm going to think about what they are looking at, how they are seeing things, okay? And I'm going to be careful that I don't just impose my standards upon them, okay? And this takes discernment, right? Um, I may not have the same standard not to eat pork, okay, uh, or meat or something like that, but if my brother or sister does, then I want to be charitable to them. I want to be loving to them. Uh, even if we went out to eat somewhere, right? If, if we go out to eat somewhere um, and, and I know they don't, they don't want to eat pork, then I'm probably not going to order pork or meat, right? I'm going to be charitable to them. I'm gonna, it's, it's for them. I, I know I, I, I don't have that standard, but because I want to uh, I be, please the Lord, and by pleasing the Lord, I'm going to try to be charitable to them and, and help them in what they're trying to do. And I'm not trying to push my standards upon them, Okay. Uh, I don't want to be a stumbling block um, to the standards that they have set for themselves, um, and nor should I look down upon them for having a different standard than what I do. Okay? So, again, just kind of what we did last week. I'm going to do this again. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, right? And, and I, would, I would love, right? I, I hope you're taking these things and applying them, right? I hope you're not just listening and be like, oh, that was really good, uh, whatever. Um, but I hope you'll take these things and, and a, to begin to develop some biblical standards, right? Last week, we looked at First Thessalonians, and I showed you some of my personal standards, okay? Um, I would love, okay? Um, and obviously, I, I wouldn't make these things public or anything, but I would love to see how, how you're coming up with some, Okay? Um, email me, say, hey, th- this, is the, this is the passage that I'm looking at, and because of this passage and because of this, therefore, this is a standard that I am setting up for myself, okay? So let's kind of go through this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 
Verse number 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? Ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay? So again, here's the principle, right? The principle is my body belongs to God. Pretty clear, right? My body belongs to God, right? So then what would be this conviction? Well, if my body belongs to God, then I want to treat my body, right? I want to treat my body like God lives inside of me. Again, the Holy Spirit lives inside. Is the Holy Spirit God? Come on, is the Holy Spirit God? Yes, Yes, he is, right? Somehow, well, the, the Father is God. No, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, okay? And he says that you, your body is the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. That's God, right? So if my body is the dwelling place of God, then I want to make sure that what I do with my body is pleasing to God because it's his dwelling place, right? Okay? So what would be some standards then that I would set for my body being the temple of God, Okay? Again, these are my personal standards, okay? Mine. Everybody clear on that? Mine. Andrew Stensis's. And family, okay? <laughs> For now, right? So here, these are things that, that are part of our, uh, our standards, right? I won't smoke or do drugs because it destroys the body. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to do drugs, right? Um, I'm not going to uh, use my body uh, to have a sexual relationship with anyone outside of marriage. Why? Because my body is the dwelling place of God. And when you look at this passage, this passage really deals with a lot of this, that aspect of it, right? So if my body is the dwelling place of God, and God says fornication and adultery and all of this is wickedness, then I need to set a standard for myself that any sexual relationship outside of marriage, not going to happen. It's wrong, right? Okay. Um, Another standard. Um, I won't use my body to advertise worldly things that displease the Lord. So in other words, I'm not going to wear clothes that advertise worldly wicked things, right? I'm not going to wear a t-shirt or a hat that advertises uh, beer uh, or things like that, right? does everybody understand what I'm talking about here, right? I understand there's kids in the room and things like that. So uh, you've got to be careful with some things. But I'm not going to use this body that is the temple of God to advertise worldly things. Why? Because what am I saying? Well, this body, if it's the temple of God and I'm advertising worldly things, I'm saying God's okay with it. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Again, these are my personal standards, okay? My personal standards, okay? Um, so whether it's uh, shirts or sweatshirts or uh, hats or, or something like this. Um, I remember uh, in Uganda, uh, a guy came up and he gave me, um, it was like a tie clip, I think it was. He said, Pastor, I want to give you this tie clip. And I was like, man, that, thanks, I appreciate that. And um, I was wearing the tie clip. I, I wore it for a couple of Sundays. And one of the guys came up, they said, Pastor, do you know what that is? <laughs> nope, it's a tie clip. Yeah, but the logo that's on the tie clip, do you know what that is? Nope. He said, Pastor, let me tell you what that is. He told me. (gasps) (laughs) 
never wore it again, right? Now, was I, was I, was I mad because the guy bought me that? No, he, he didn't know either, right? But once I found out what it was, I wasn't going to use it to advertise things of the world, okay? Um, I, I want to dress modestly in a way that pleases the Lord. Again, this is his body, right? This is his temple, so I want to dress in a way that pleases the Lord. Um, I want to be careful with what goes uh, in the eyes and in the ears of this body, right? Uh, we talked a little bit about what goes in the mouth last week a little bit, right? There are certain things that really we shouldn't be putting in. But even with our eyes and with our ears, I want to be careful that what is going into the body honors the Lord because this body is his temple, okay? And again, uh, you know, whether that's um, what I listen to, uh, whether it's music, uh, whether it's what I watch, or all these different things. We have to be very careful about this, right? Um, we, we have a, a thing that we use at our home. We don't watch anything without using this, right? Uh, some of you may, may be familiar with it. It's called clear play, right? Um, if, 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 nothing, if, it, if it will not run through clear play, we do not watch it, right? Um, because clear play removes any type of language, it removes any type of scenes or anything like that. It takes it all out, right? So um, now, just because we use clear play doesn't mean we watch everything. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But there's nothing that we will watch in our family that does not run through clear play, right? I don't want my children hearing those things, seeing those things. I don't want to hear those things, see those things, right? Um, and so we're, we're very careful. Again, what is going in? right? Same thing with music, things like this. Same thing with books. Same thing with the internet, right? What is going in, okay? I'm going to set some standards. Again, these standards are rules. These are boundaries, right, that I am imposing upon myself and upon my family because I'm trying to protect us, right? I understand my body belongs to God. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so I'm going to set some standards in my life to help me to honor the Lord with my body, Okay? Again, these are, these are mine, right? But as I, I look at this passage, my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? I belong to God. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So I'm going to set some standards here, okay? That this are, these are things that I'm not going to do with my body because I want to honor the Lord, okay? Um. How about this, right? Um, and then we'll, we'll end with this here. Um, there are standards, and you might think this is funny because I've, I've really been a pastor all of my life, but I, there are standards that I have set for what church I will attend. And you say, well, that's weird. You're the pastor. Well, you're right, yeah. But even if I was not a pastor, there are standards that I have set that I would not attend a church that did not have these standards, right? Um, and it's, it's probably not what you would think, right? One, right, um, I would not attend a church with a woman pastor or woman leading adult men spiritually. It's a standard that I've set, okay? Uh, now, again, if somebody else chooses to, am I, I going to look down on them? No, I'm not going to look down on them. Right? But I believe when we come to the Scripture, we can find that the Bible says that women are not to be the pastors. They're not to be the spiritual leaders in the church over the men. Okay? Again, not saying anything negative about women. Please do not misunderstand me. Okay? 
Um, some of the most godly, uh, spiritual people that I know are women. Okay? Um, and so I, I'm not trying to put women down. But when we look at Scripture, God has placed an order here. Okay? Um, I will, uh, and by the way, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 Timothy chapter 2, chapter 3, right? These are biblical principles that I've found that I'm going to set these standards on, okay? Um, I'm going to be involved in a church that, or I'm going to be part of a church that is involved in missions, both local and domestic, right? If a church doesn't try to reach their community, I'm not going to be part of that church. If a church doesn't try to reach the world, I'm not going to be part of that church. Why? Because in Scripture, we find that command to do that right? We're commanded to go into all the world. That includes our Jerusalem and the uttermost part of the world, right? If a church isn't doing that, I don't want to be part of that church. Again, that's just my standard, right? Um, I want to be a part of a church that is teaching sound biblical doctrine, okay? Second uh, Timothy chapter 4 and other passages we know, uh, the Bible speaks of sound doctrine. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, other passages that teach about doctrine, right? Um, I want to be part of a church that has Christ-honoring music, okay? That's Christ-honoring music. Now, again, here's where we can, what I consider Christ-honoring music might be a little different than what you consider Christ-honoring music, okay? Um, again, there's, there, there's not a specific, um, and look, I, please understand, I, I know you can attach Christian to anything, Right? You can have Christian rock, and you can have Christian country, and you can have Christian reggae, and you can have Christian all kinds of stuff, right? But just because you put Christian on it doesn't mean it's honoring to the Lord, okay? Um, it just it, it doesn't, okay? Just because the words of a song might include Jesus somewhere or something about God or something doesn't mean that it's pleasing to God, okay? Um, and so I, I want to make sure that, that a church that I'm in, again, I'm going to make sure, that, hey, there's a lot of good old hymns that I want to sing. There's a lot of new songs that are good to be able to sing as well, right? Brother Shane just taught us a, a new song tonight. That's not an old hymn. It's not an old hymn. That's, that's a fairly new one, but it's a, man, that's a good one, right? Um, some, some of my, I, I, you know, there, there are some songs that when I sing in the hymn book and I'm like, man, there's, there's such a message to that song, Right? I mean, just grace, grace, God's grace, grace is greater than all my sin. There's a message there, right? But then there's also uh, a song that the choir sings, um, Behold our God, seated on his throne. Man, that's a, that's a newer song, but boy, the doctrine in it is amazing, right? So again, I, I'm, I'm going to be... Uh, I'm going to look for a church that the music is honoring to the Lord, not honoring to self. There's a difference there, right? There's a big difference there. Music can honor self without ever honoring the Lord, okay? Um, and I, I want to be part of a church that, man, the music honors the Lord. Um, and, and I appreciate Brother Shane and uh, the ladies, Miss Heidi and Jackie and Addie and all those that work with our music and things like this. Uh, they do such a great job bringing music that I believe honors the Lord uh, in, in our singing and things, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, I, again, I even have standards on what church I'm going to attend, okay? So here, here's what, we're going we're to stop right here, but here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to begin developing some of these things, okay? And again, next week, we're going to go through some more. Um, uh, by, you know, I don't, I don't know how long we're going to go in this series. I, I just think it's so important that we understand this, 
Um, and uh, um, it's just, I hope, I hope it's, I hope you're getting something from it. I hope that it's going to be a, a help to you. I hope it'll be a help to your family, uh, to your home, to your children, because your children need to know why uh, you believe certain things, why you have certain rules, right? Uh, why we believe certain things at the church. They, they need to be taught those things, okay? Um, and that's why we always go back to the Word of God. But I want to challenge you, start developing some of these things, okay? Um, you know, take that passage there that we just looked at in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, or take the one that we looked at last week in Thessalonians chapter uh, 5, I believe it was. Say, all right, what are some biblical standards that I would set for myself, Okay? I know where I'm weak. I know some things that I struggle with. What are some things that I can set for myself? And not every standard has to be because you're weak in it, okay? It's just I'm setting these things for myself because I want to please the Lord, right? I'm going to honor Him with my life. I want to please Him uh, the very best that I can. Um, And I need to know the Word of God to be able to please Him. And then I'm going to have the character to be able to do that, right? Um, don't, don't Don't say, okay, these are my standards, then never follow them. What's the point of doing that, right? Uh, these, are, these are the standards I'm going to follow, but then you never do it, right? Um, and so, so begin developing some of these things. And again, like I said, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to see what you're coming up with, um, and that would even help me to know maybe better how to explain some of these things as well. So uh, shoot me an email. Say, hey, this is, you know, this is a passage that I saw, and this is the principle that I, that I got from it, and so this is a standard that I'm setting. And again, you can see how you can develop more than one standard from a passage of Scripture, Right? You develop more than one standard from one verse. It doesn't have to be one verse, one standard, one verse, one standard. Um, and you can have one standard with multiple verses, right? Uh, multiple verses in it. Or you can have one verse with multiple standards in it. There's no right or wrong way to do this, okay? Uh, I think what's important is that we do it, right? Uh, we begin developing these things so that we, we're, we're trying to uh, live a life that's honoring the Lord, uh, protecting ourselves from uh, the devil. Because, again, look, we know, the Bible tells us, and Peter the devil's like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. And if we don't have any barriers, if we don't have any guards, right, um, we're not talking about legalism, but we're not talking about license. We want to live in liberty, okay? And the, the freedom that is here when we simply follow the Lord, right? We're not trying to live like somebody else, and that person's not trying to impose their standards upon me. I'm just, I'm searching the scripture. I'm letting God lead me, and I'm developing these standards for myself to help me to please the Lord how I believe God's leading me in this, right? Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you, uh, Lord, for your word. And uh, Lord, we know your word has the answer to all of, all of life's questions. And uh, Lord, how important it is um, that as Christians, we, we begin developing personal biblical standards in our life. Um, Lord, our children uh, need to know why we believe certain things so that as they grow older, it's not just this is what mom and dad said or this is what the church said, but Lord, that they... Uh, that they have these beliefs as well, and they, they can go back to the Word of God and see why these things are there. Um, and so, Father, help us with this. And, Lord, these areas of caution, may we be cautious in what we're doing. Uh, Lord, not trying to, uh, you know, earn your love or, or earn salvation. Lord, that's, that's already been taken care of. But, Lord, we do want to honor you, and we do want to please you in how we live our life that would bring glory and honor to, to Jesus Christ. And so, Father, help us in these things. And... Uh, Uh, Lord, just give us wisdom and discernment, uh, Lord, that you would just be honored and glorified through it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. Again, uh, don't forget, if you need to register for the father-son thing, uh, my wife will be in the back if you want to register there, or you can do it right online uh, at uh, fbceaton.com. All right?
Uh, I am told that it is pouring rain outside, so praise the Lord for that. Amen? That's right. <laughs>